Well, turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, <clears throat> we're continuing, of course, our study on prayer. We've been seeing in our grow groups just started this very important aspect. We started last time. It's really a key because it's the, the, that's how we seek to communicate and to maintain... Oh, come right on by. Yeah, come right on by. It's uh, the way we maintain our fellowship. It's the way we maintain uh, really our communication with God. Now, what we saw last time was some quick questions like, what is prayer? And we put it down that prayer is just talking to God, and we saw that. And we talked about the importance of prayer, and we're, we're seeing it in the life of Christ in the early church and the individual believers. So this morning, we're going to see it in the life of Christ. We'll just touch on the early church, and we'll spend next time more of the early church, and then we'll talk about our lives. Uh, how important is prayer in our lives? And so this morning, the importance of prayer in the life of Jesus Christ. And I think when you say prayer, most of us are, all of us probably feel a little bit guilty and say, I think we need to pray a lot more. We need to do better and we need to talk to God more and all those kind of things. There's all these misconceptions. We talked about it last week that people think there's, you know, certain people have, you know, they can pray to God better than other people can and certain people, uh, you've got to use certain language when you talk to God and all those kind of things. And we realize prayer is just talking to God and each one of us talk to him in our own way and our own time and anyway. And so as we go through, we had some goals, some things we wanted to think about. We wanted to understand prayer. We wanted to realize how important prayer is and we wanted to be people of prayer, and I think it's probably the key in our fellowship with our Savior. So let's, let's get started, and let's think about it, and let me raise some questions for you to think. First of all, how would you answer this question? Is Jesus Christ God? What would you say? Answer, yes, yeah, we'd say throughout history, there's been controversy. There were people who said, well, Jesus was really was a good man, and some people said he was a good teacher. Some people said he was an example. Some people just say he was a religious leader. Some people say he was a rabbi, which would, had a little group of people that followed him. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, he, said, when they, uh, he, he said, I am. In fact, they came to, if you remember when they came to arrest him, and Jesus stepped out and said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. That's the name of God. And they all fell down, if you remember that. So it's clear from the Word of God that Jesus Christ is God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And 1, 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So here's a question. Just to think about it. Since we all agree that Jesus Christ is God, he's the eternal God, he's, he's the Son of God who left the glories of heaven to become a person, right? We all agree with that. So here's kind of a question. If Jesus Christ is God and he's perfect, why did he pray? Why would he even need to pray? I mean, he's God. Why would he pray? As we look at the subject of prayer, we realize prayer is probably the main way we maintain fellowship. And so we're going to see that prayer was the way that Jesus maintained his fellowship, his communion with the Heavenly Father. And that's what we're supposed to do. And so we're looking really at the three big areas, the life of Christ, the early church, and the individual believers. And prayer is certainly the key in every one of these things. If you remember our outline of our study, we, talked, we just began with prayer, say what is it, how does it fit, who can pray, those kind of things. And then we're looking at these sections. And next, after we get through looking at the life of Christ, the life of the early church, and then our own lives, we're going to look at the different ways to pray. You may not realize that, but there are a bunch of different words for prayer. There's at least five different aspects of words for prayer that when you see that word, it means a certain thing. And we're going to see that as we go through our study. So there's a lot of great things. Well, this morning, we're going to see Jesus in prayer maintaining his fellowship with the Heavenly Father. So let me give you just a brief review, just something to think about. We said last time, what is prayer? What did we say it was? Prayer is what? 
Just, just talking to God. That's what, that's what it is. Any of us can pray anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything. You can, you can let your requests be made known to God. In fact, that's what Philippians 4, 6 says. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And in that one passage, we saw it last week, there are three, actually four different words for prayer. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. There's four words right there. All of them are different words for prayer in the New Testament. So he says, let your requests be made known. On the Sermon on the Mount, he says, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on praying. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he says, people ought to always pray and not faint. He said, but not pass out. Don't pass out, but pray. Keep going, keep on going, keep on going. I thought a good thing that we talked about last week was who can pray? Who can approach God? Who can? Anybody. Unbelievers? Believers? Anyone. Psalm 65, 2, all flesh, both believers and unbelievers, can come to God anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Now, there's a difference because an unbeliever comes to him as the creation to the creator, but the believer comes as the child to the father. So we have a a different relationship with God than, than an unbeliever does, but anyone can come to God anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Now, God, God's not obligated to do anything other than what he has already promised. You know, so just remember that in any prayer. Uh, we raised a point last time before we get into the, what Jesus did, and that, that is this. Why, why, is it so, why, why is prayer so hard? Why don't we pray? If, it, if it's so important, why don't we pray? We talked about that. It's actually hard because one of the Greek words for prayer, a couple of the Greek words for prayer means to struggle or to wrestle. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we want to do everything else. Sometimes our mind gets so distracted that we sit down and we say, I want to pray for a little bit. And then you say, well, but I need to get coffee first. And then, and then you sit down and you say, well, I need, well I got, where's my little book? I got to go get my book. And then you say, well, I got to, I got to pray. But oh, oh, well, you know, I better write down because there's three things I need to do when I get through praying. And before you know it, time's up, you haven't even prayed yet. Why? Because it's just a hard thing to do. It's a struggle. The second thing is mysterious because you're actually talking to someone uh, you, you don't see. You don't see God. Uh, and you're basically saying, I'm coming to someone I don't see or, or in a sense even know in that sense. He's the supreme being of all creation. And so many people could be coming to him at the same time. What if, what if just 50 people are all coming to him at the same time? Well, we know that God, he didn't go, oh, excuse me, could y'all come one at a time? He doesn't do that. He knows everything. He knows us all. He knows it. The third thing is sometimes we don't feel worthy, especially when we sin. When we sin, we think, oh, I can't go to God because this is the 19th time today that I've done what I did or thought what I thought, and I've got to uh, go to God and say, I just wanted you to know that I, I blew it again, and, but I don't, I don't want to really do that because I'm not worthy to approach the Heavenly Father. Are any of us in this room worthy to approach the Heavenly Father? Answer is what? No, no, none of us are worthy, but we can come what? <laughs> Boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus Christ has gone before us. He's our intercessor. He is our advocate. You can come, not because you deserve to come. None of us deserve to do it. If we don't even deserve to have a relationship with him, we have it through Jesus Christ. It's called eternal life. We don't deserve to have fellowship with him, but we do because he loves us in an unconditional love. And so anytime we want to talk to him, any place, anywhere, about anything, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, not because we are worthy, but because God says, I want you to approach me. I've done it all. I've got an advocate for you, and I've got an intercessor for you, and I want you to come. The, the fourth reason sometimes we don't pray is, it, does it really make a difference? 
How many of you prayed for something for a long time and it hadn't happened yet? Right? Well, so why should you pray? It don't make a difference, does it? Or does it? And sometimes we think, you know, I prayed for this, and, and you prayed for something, and it didn't turn out like you thought. And so you say, well, that, that wasn't very good. But then if you go down through your life and you look back and you go, wow, that, that really turned out better than I thought it was going to be. You know, sometimes we think something's bad that God says, it may look bad to you right now, but I'm working all things. I always think of Joseph being thrown, first of all, thrown in the well, you know, and then sold into slavery, and then uh, falsely accused and thrown into prison, and then eventually raised to great power. And what did he say to his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so sometimes things turn out, and it's better than we thought. We just don't know. So here's some questions just for us to think about before we look at the life of Christ. Why pray if God already... Here's, here's another. If God already knows, does he know... The end from the beginning. Does he know what you're going to say before you ever say it? Does he know where you would have been if you weren't here now? Does he know every possibility of where you would be? Do you, does he know what you would think even if you don't think it, right? I mean, he knows everything, right? So why would we lift a prayer to God if he already knows? We could just say, you know, right? We could, couldn't it? Does prayer change anything if God is sovereign? If God is the sovereign ruler of all things, he works all things according to the counsel of his will, if, does prayer change anything? Or does prayer change us? Well, let's just think about it. And then, are there ways to pray? Yes, there are. There's different ways. You can pray for people. You can pray for yourself. You can bring thanksgiving to God. You can bring glory to God. You can do all kinds of things. And why sometimes there's no answers? There's no answers to our prayers. Or it doesn't seem like there's answers to our prayers. I want you to know, I believe that God answers every prayer. Sometimes they're yes. And sometimes they're no. And sometimes they're Wait. And so I think that when you're lifting up prayers and you don't get an answer, it could be that it's a no. It could be that it's a wait. Sometimes we get a yes, and then later we go, I wish I hadn't got a yes. All right? So the best thing to do is say, if it be your will. What did Jesus say on the cross? Because he was about ready to go to the cross. He was in the garden. He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass. However, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. So we'll talk about that. Let's look at the life of Christ, okay? And we want to see some great things here. Uh, prayer is very important in his life, and one of the things we have to understand, okay, he's the son of God, and he already knows everything. In fact, he's the one that answers prayers. And yet when he's a human being, the God-man on earth, he spent a bunch of time talking to the Father. He prayed. In fact, you remember one time all the, the, the disciples came up to him and said, would you teach us to pray? Because they saw that he prayed all the time. And he said, well, I'll show you how to pray. We're going to see it when we get it to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount. And that's a really hard passage. Oh, it's it's going to start in just a couple of weeks. We're going to get to some really hard things in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the Beatitudes are not easy. And then some of the other stuff's not easy. And then how he teaches them to pray. And the pattern that he gives, and we'll see a lot of that things. Now, so prayer is very important. I want you to look at Mark chapter 1. I want you to go to verse 21 for a second. I'm going to skip around for just a second. I want you to look at verse 21 of Mark chapter 1. They, this is Jesus, and he's got uh, John and uh, Simon, and he's got, he's got Peter and Andrew and James and John, and maybe some others. We don't even know who all's with him. And it says in verse 21, they went into Capernaum and they went on the Sabbath. He entered a synagogue and began to teach. Now, synagogues, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on. 
But a synagogue, synagogue is the Greek word, which really means to come together. The Jewish people would meet on, on the Sabbath day, which is what day of the week? That's Saturday. They would meet together and they would, uh, it, it's actually a time for primarily for teaching. We always think that the Sabbath day and the synagogue was where they worshiped. They worship at the temple. The synagogue was their training place. And so they meet there, and what does Jesus do? It says they came together on the Sabbath day, and he began to do what? What do you do in the, in the synagogue? You teach. So he taught, and they were amazed. Look at verse 22. They were amazed at his teaching. He was teaching as one having authority, not like the scribes. The scribes knew the Bible, but they didn't have authority. He wrote the Bible, and he had authority, okay? And so they, they start doing things, and he, he cast out this demon, uh, in verse 25, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him, throwing him into convulsions. The unclean spirit cried out and left, and everybody was amazed, and they began to debate, Who is this guy? What great teaching. And, and so think about this. During the day, what is Jesus doing? He's teaching. Now, this is a Sabbath day, right? When does the day begin in a Jewish, in a Jewish calendar? It begins actually the night before. They, the night comes first. If we are a Jewish calendar... Uh, this is actually Sunday day. Last night was Sunday night, okay? The night comes. They got it from God. God said then the evening and the morning were the first day, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So Jewish So Jesus has, has, this is the day, and could Jewish people travel on a Sabbath day? Not very far. In fact, less than a half a mile. So if you're Jewish, it's a Sabbath day. You could get to the synagogue, and that was basically about all you could do on that day. I want, to, I want you to notice something in this passage just a little bit. So Jesus is in the synagogue. People are there. He's teaching. He, he casts out a demon. He heals. He teaches his authority. Everybody's going, wow, this is amazing. And then look what happens. Look at verse 29. And immediately, after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Okay, the house of who? Peter. Peter and Andrew. This is Peter's... This is, this, we're going to see who it is in just a minute. And, and they're with James and John. They're all in there. And look, look what happens when they get there. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. You, you know Peter was married. Y'all right, know that, right? What's her name? We don't know. Did, you, did, you, did, did his wife travel with him? There's a place where Paul writes and he says, do we not have the right to have our wives travel with us as Peter and... and so she traveled with them some. We don't know anything about her, right? She's going to probably say, why didn't you put me in there a little bit, right? You know, you put, you put my mother in there, right? Because it's Peter's what? Mother-in-law is sick with a fever. So now what has he done all day so far? What has he done? He's taught. Now he comes to the house, and he heals. It says, and he came to her, raised her up, taken her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on him. Now, what happens when you get to verse 32? What does it say? Anybody know? What does it say? And when what? When the evening came. That means it's the end of the what day? Sabbath. It's now a regular day. What can people do? They can travel. Watch what happens. 
that when the evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all those who were ill, and those were demon-possessed, and the whole city gathered at the door. Now, what has he done all day? He's taught. He came to, the, to Simon Peter's uh, house and healed the mother-in-law, and they probably had a meal, and then all of a sudden, it's now the next day, so the Sabbath is over, and they look out, and all of a sudden, crowd begin to come to the house. Because the word has been spread that that guy named Jesus who was in the synagogue who healed some people, he's at Simon Peter's house, and we better get there because what could he do for us? He could heal us. So the whole crowd comes, and look what happens. Look what happens. When the evening came, the whole Sunday set, they began bringing him all who were those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city gathered at the door. Now, that probably doesn't mean every human being in the whole city, but what it means is all kind of people were coming. Okay, so when we look at this, uh, he's very busy. He get back to the house of Peter. His mother-in-law was there. All of these things are going on. And it says the whole city was gathered. Why were they gathered? Well, they wanted healing. They wanted to be helped. He might feed them. No telling what he might do. There was curiosity. Who is this guy? Because they said something like this. We have a new teaching with authority. Now, if you were Jesus and you had already taught all day long, and you've already healed Peter's mother-in-law, and you'd probably like a what? A break. But you look out, and the whole bunch of people are there. So what do you do? You go out and go, okay, thank you. Thank you for coming. Every one of you are healed. You may go. Is that what he does? Could he have done that? Sure he could. Look what it says. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he was not permitted to speak. And the demons who knew, they, they basically says they knew who he was. He didn't just go, thanks for coming, everybody's healed. He healed each one. In fact, one of the other Gospels says that it was basically one at a time. It was the idea that they came, and it wasn't like a group thing. It was, okay, 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 and he, and he did something with everyone. That means he cares about what? Every person. That's why you can come boldly to the throne of grace and don't think that he's going, okay, listen, there's a lot of you here. Uh, your prayers are answered. That's not how he does it. He knows every one of us individually, and that's what he did. Now, what would you do after that? You'd say, man, whew, long day, long day. Man, what a day, what a day. I taught, I taught all day. How many of you have taught very much? I mean, I teach sometimes two to three times. When I do membership training, I teach two times in the morning and four times in the afternoon, so that's six times. When I go home, my legs are tired. I go, man, I stood up for a long time today. I love teaching, but it actually, it, it drains you. It actually does. It most, if any of you taught any time, you know that it drains you to teach. So what did he do? He taught, then he healed, and then he healed one, and then he healed a whole bunch of people. He could say, you know what, guys? I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. I'm going to get some sleep. What does he do? He goes to bed, but look what it says. In the early morning, while it was still what? Dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Early in the morning before it was light. And by the way, when it says he went to a place, a secluded place, and was praying there, it literally says in the Greek, he would kept on praying. It wasn't like he prayed just a little bit. He was an ongoing prayer. Now, what would you and I say? Would we get up really early the next morning to go pray? Or would we say, oh, you know, I, it's been a tough day. <laughs> I'm just going to sleep in tomorrow, right? 
I mean, I know people that go to football games, they get in at 11, 11, 30, 12, and they say, I'm not going to church tomorrow, we're out too late. Right? Why? Because you stayed out too late. Well, I can't get up in the morning by 11 and make it there. Or, you know, or else we've had a, a tough night and we go, well, I'm just not going to do that. Well, I've got Bible study, but, you know, I'm worn out. I'm not going to go, you know. What if Jesus said, well, first of all, I taught, I healed, I spent all night with all these people. Uh, I deserve a break. That's not what he said. He said, the most important thing in my life is what? My fellowship with my heavenly father. See? And so what did he do? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place, and was praying. I want you to see a couple of things. First of all, he took the time to pray, right? He did. Ministry is difficult. Ministry was difficult. I mean, not only did he have to fight the spiritual battle of these demons that were possessing people and just the whole spiritual battle. Then he had to fight the battle of the religious leaders who hated him, who, who were so afraid he was going to take over their place. He had to do the whole aspect of people who just came to him because he'd probably feed them or heal them, and that was all they were looking for. And then he had to deal with some people who said, we're going to make you king, not because he is the king of kings and lord of lords, but he might whip the Romans for us. And so ministry was not easy for him in any way, shape, or form. We're going to see this morning in church, what he gets baptized, which identifies, and then what's the very next thing that happens? You may know. He goes into the wilderness to be what? Tempted by the devil. That's what we're going to see this morning. At the very before he actually starts the ministry, he's baptized to identify, and then he is tempted to show that he is indeed the eternal, perfect Son of God. So we're going to see that this morning. Nothing's easy. If anybody could have said, "Listen, I I, I hadn't had a break. Uh, I think this morning I'm just going to sleep in." That's not what Jesus did. He got up. He made it a priority. He took the time to pray. And it's so easy for us to do things. And there's nothing wrong. Every now and then we're so worn out. There's just, we just can't do anything. But we need to say, what is the priority in my life when it comes to talking to my Heavenly Father? Right? And the second thing that I saw there is he was by himself. He got a place away from others. Notice what it says. He went away to a secluded place. You know, it's hard to go to Starbucks and pray. There's people in there all over the place, right? It is. And, and sometimes when you, you pray, you say, I'll just go to Starbucks and pray. Now, you, how are you going to pray at Starbucks? I mean, there's 8 million people in there, you know? Johnny, you're, you know, you go, okay, okay, your cream is ready. Okay, you, know, you can't do anything. So where should you go if you can? Get somewhere by yourself. That's what he did. He made prayer a priority because he had a time and a place. Let me ask you a question. Is prayer a priority? Is talking to our Heavenly Father a priority? Do you have a time in which you meet, you on, you're on an ongoing time, a time daily that you have what we often call a quiet time, a time in which you're going to pray, you're going to talk to the Heavenly Father, you're going to read the Scripture. I'm not talking about Bible study time. I'm talking about you just read some Scripture, you talk to the Lord, you might have a little book that you write things down in. Do you have a time every day that you spend time? Now, let me tell you, for most of us, I've found this. For me, it, it has to be early. Because if I wait till I get into the day, I don't, I, it, nothing, nothing works. It's more like working out. I have to work out real early because if I don't and I wait till sometime during the day, there's never a time during the day I could go work out. Well, the same thing for my quiet time, my prayer time, my time with the Lord. It's early. 
Most of you know I get up really early. I get up like 4.20 every day, just about. And so I, 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 I'm either going to work out and then go have my quiet time, or I'm going to go come up here and have my quiet time. And that's the only way I can do it. And that's a priority. So my question for all of us is, do we have, do you have a time that you go meet with him? And it, it was a pattern to his life. It was. Do we have a priority? What's the first thing in our schedule? What's the first thing that goes? Ah, oh, oh, I'm running late. Good night. I can't have I better get some toast and head on out, you know. First thing that goes is usually our what? Our quiet time. It was a pattern to his life. Look at Luke 5, 16. But Jesus himself would often slip away, often slip away to the wilderness and do what? And pray. That's what he did. Often. Often. You, if, you, if you read the Gospels and you look at it, you think Jesus is constantly busy. Think about it. He had the 12 guys. They were with him all the time. I mean, from the start of the ministry, there were all kind of people following him around. He picked two or three or four. Then he picked 12, and then all with him. He had the three that were really close to him. And, and everywhere he went, there were crowds. Everywhere he went, when, when he showed up someplace and nobody knew where he was, they would find him, and then they would all rush over there to see him. And he'd go into the temple to, to worship. He would, I mean, he just did everything. And yet, his pattern was to slip away. And Luke, look at this. At that time, he went off to a mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God, and when the day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. Now, you think since he's God, he already know, he, did he already know which 12? Did he not know all? I mean, he's God, right? From the man's side, we might say, okay, think of him as a man, he's going to pick the 12. But he's the God man, but he spent all night talking to the Father about this. So, he chose the disciples. Okay. Do we have a time to meet with God? Do you have a time? Look at your life. Look at your schedule. If you don't, you need to. You listen, you just need to say, I'm going to look at my life, and if I don't have a time, I'm too busy. I'm doing things, obviously, I'm not supposed to do because this has to be one of the most important things in my life, so I can't eliminate probably the most important thing in my life, so there's got to be some other things that I may have to, to eliminate if I'm going to have a time daily that I meet with him, that I read, that I pray, that I have what we call a quiet time. And here's the second thing is, do you have a place? Do you have a place? I love my office. I go in there, and, I mean, I, there's nobody usually here. Brian comes pretty early himself, but he's in his office. There's nobody here. I can read, have my quiet time. I can uh, look at it. Mean, I can do whatever I want to do, and nobody, and nobody's calling, by the way. Nobody's calling at about five. Nobody calls. You know, they just don't. I'm, I'm glad they don't. So the truth is, do you have a time and do you have a place? And, and we should do that. That's got to be importance in our life. So importance in Jesus' life was a time and a place. And let me just show you this real quickly. In the church, they were continually devoted. This is early church. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and what? To prayer. And we're going to see that next time as we look at this. Because prayer... The church was characterized by prayer. I know time is up, so let me give you some quick applications. First of all, let's understand the priority that prayer should be in our lives. It should be. It's how we maintain our fellowship. Now, I always say this. You read the Bible, that's God talking to you. You pray, that's you talking to God. 
And you got to have both. And that's why a quiet time might be that you're going to read through. I, I read the Proverbs, and I read this, or I read that, or, and I look through that. I have a reading program. I have something else. And, and, and I pray for people. I have a little book. We'll talk more about this when we get to individuals about, do you have a little prayer book? Do you have a, a journal? Do you have something in which you maybe, because if I said to you, hey, pray for me because this has happened in two weeks, I want you to go write it down and pray for me. Because it's real easy to say, oh, I'll pray for you. Don't worry. And that you never think about it again. I don't mean it bad, but that's just what happens. And, and I'm guilty of that. And unless I go write it down, I'll say to you, I'll pray for you, and then I never think about it again. So uh, it should be the priority. Let us let's realize the prior, priority Jesus had for prayer. He did. It was the pattern of his life. Both had time and a place. So let's seek to make prayer a priority in our life. And let's do this. Let's get a time and a place And make it a habit. You'll never regret having a time every day. And and it could vary. Uh, You know, one day it may be this time, and another day it may be this time. But have a time that you have mapped out that you're going to have time to meet with God, to pray and to read and all that. And have you a place, a place that begins to feel comfortable, that when you go there, you know you're not going to be disturbed. This is where you're going to talk with God. And make it a habit.